Welcome back to the No Greater Joy podcast brought to you by the pastors here at Grace Baptist Church uh, because we want for our people what Jesus wants for his people, and that's to know greater joy. And uh, we want them to be able to, to know greater joy by stepping into the areas that we are convinced bring no greater joy for God's people than being a 24-7 worshiper, a go person, and an alongsider. I am uh, Pastor Steve Strong, lead pastor here at Grace, and once again to my right we have... Associate Pastor Andreas Bailey. Cross for me. Ryan Atkins, serving in the Timothy position. And a huge thank you once again, Dan Kraniak, the tech guru, producing this and uh, really making it awesome. Uh, hope to have as many guests as we can to this and uh, just talking about these different areas, being a go person alongside her 24-7 worshiper. And I'm excited to have uh, Brian Gardner with us, Pastor Brian has been at uh, New Community for lots of years and uh, is a no stranger to our people at Grace. Uh, really is a joy to be able to partner with them in a lot of different ways, and which is why we wanted to partner with them a year and a half ago. Maybe not quite a year and a half, but it seems like a long time yeah. ago in uh, March of 2020 when the pandemic was hitting us, and uh, it was a no-brainer to work with them. And so, Brian, really glad that you are with us. Thanks for joining us, man. Glad to be here. So we started off March of 2020 uh, partnering in the services, the Sunday services, and uh, had a, a theme that we were kind of trying to zero in on, and it was this idea of God, God's not going to waste this pandemic, so let's not waste it either. And uh, spent almost two months, maybe three months, um, just kind of exploring that. And so now that uh, things are opening up again here in Ohio, and uh, whether this is a good thing or bad thing we can talk about, getting back to normal, mm -hmm. um, we thought we would revisit this idea of, all right, what are some, what are the top three lessons that we've learned coming out of COVID? Uh, as individuals, maybe as a church. Um, but before we, we get to that, I um, want to know a little bit more about you. So I think Ryan has a great question. We were talking earlier. Mm -hmm. Why don't you uh, kick us off? So Brian, a lot of our people know you, um, whether it's from our, our combined services, uh, you know, July 4th in the park, or uh, having seen you on the, the live stream last year when we kind of combined our services. Um, but I don't know that a lot of our people know your story or the story of new community or, you know, what's, what has been, so if you could, what has been your path to ministry, your path to this area, um, and really your path to new community as you guys are today. Okay. Uh, so I grew up in a, um, ministry home. My dad was a church planner with Baptist admissions, uh, came to Christ at a young age, about five years old. When I was 18, I was trying to figure life out and um, thought I would go into medicine. I had a, a scholarship to a university in the area we were living, um, but I knew in my heart my motivation was really about making big bucks. It wasn't really about being altruistic, serving people, or any of that. And um, so there's this internal battle going on inside of me. As part of that, uh, I wound up going to, um, at the time, uh, Baptist Bible College, 
um, and um, trying to trying to figure out how this was gonna how this was gonna channel out. I was in that process when God brought um, a guy into my life who really discipled me. You know, growing up in a ministry home, nobody really ever discipled me. They just always assumed where I was spiritually. And this guy just asked me in-depth questions um, about my own walk with God, about things I was struggling with, about um, what my my thinking was as far as where God was leading me with my life, what I was willing to give up. He was only in my life for one semester, but that one semester really made a big difference in me. And it really deviated me from sort of my own selfish path to being able to think broader. Okay, God, what do you want to do with me? Um, and in my sophomore year, I met my wife, uh, wound up um, about that same time, I kind of began to feel like, okay, God's moving me to ministry. And so I stayed there as opposed to transferring out, which was my original plan. I'm just going to come here, transfer out, go somewhere else and study pre-med. Um, wound up um, at the end of um, college, uh, going to Baptist Bible Seminary. After my first year of seminary, Sharon and I were married. At the end of that seminary program, um, we were sent to uh, Elyria, Ohio, which I didn't even know how to say it. Is that Elyria? What is that town? <laughs> Elyria. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and doing an internship there. Sharon had done her student teaching there years earlier, uh, but they didn't even recognize who she was because she was married now, different name. And we wound up in Ohio. There um, worked with a guy who was really passionate about church planting and Dan Simmons. And he would ask me on a regular basis, Brian, have you considered church planning? What do you think about church planning? Hey, what are you, interested in church planning? Hmm. Exposed me to a lot of church, and I'd grown up around it, but it was very different. I, I'd grown up a whole different sector of it. And uh, so we got to the end of the internship, and I began to just pray, God, about different ideas, different positions that had kind of come across my path. I just felt like God was saying, I want you to take a step of faith. So we were back. Sharon grew up on an apple farm. We were walking on the farm one day, and I said to Sharon, I think God's pushing me to take a step of faith. She said, you're thinking about church planning, aren't you? And I said, yeah, what do you think? And she's like, if that's where God's leading you, I'm in. And so uh, we did demographics all over Ohio. We did demographics elsewhere in the United States. Sometimes people ask me, if you could start a church anywhere, why did you pick you know, a cold climate like northern Ohio? But uh, this is where God put us. Mm-hmm. And um, at the... Uh, so we approached um, Brad Quick, who was at the time pastoring there. Hey, this is what do you think of this idea? And God put together um, five other couples that um, shared that vision uh, as well. Um, uh, one went on to Arizona and uh, is involved in church planning out there. One went on, uh, started a church down in Strongsville, and then eventually moved on out from there. But uh, so. Those other three couples are still with us to this day, oh, and they're cool. a huge blessing in our Very lives. Cool. And um, so, yeah, that was uh, 2000 we started. I thought if you'd asked me back then if we would have our own building by now, I would say, oh, yeah, totally, um, <laughs> which is kind of an interesting whole journey in and of itself. But um, we're working towards it one of these days. I, I think I'm on the like the Abraham plan. Um, <laughs> I may be 100 years old, but <laughs> there will be something eventually maybe that we'll have our own location or place to hang out. Uh, but it hasn't been all bad. God's used that too. And uh, so, yeah, we've been, we've been with New Community uh, over 20 years now, and it has been uh, the greatest joy of my life. It has also been, um, at times, the greatest challenge of my mm-hmm. life. Um, it's been the highs and the lows, but... Um, 
we've, uh, we've by God's grace, we've seen uh, him do a lot of things in people's lives, and people come to faith and grow in their journey with Christ. And so I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change it. Amen. But uh, and then, boy, I think it was. I don't want to say it was like 2009. We did the first winter retreat with Grace, and that really uh, started a process of getting to know Grace, getting to know Steve, um, you guys as you've come into the picture, and um, and realizing that there's a really kindred spirit mm-hmm. uh, with this church, and that we share a, a lot of similar things philosophically, a similar heartbeat. Our uh, congregations have mixed well. Mm-hmm. Our kids get along well, and it, it's been a mutual blessing. And so. Uh, when the pandemic hit and we had nowhere to hang our hat and didn't know what we were going to do, uh, and you guys invited us into that process with you, it was a huge blessing. I want to say thank you uh, to the family here at Grace. We we appreciate you. We consider you our extended family. And uh, for those two and a half months we spent together, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It yeah. was fun. We grabbed the whiteboard <clears throat> and did a lot of brainstorming back and forth. And, and um, sometimes we walked into services kind of, you know, wondering, okay, how's this going to go? But we were able to, I think, um, do things that, in the end, I, I think both of our, of our congregations were, were benefited Yes, absolutely. by that. And uh, so anyway. Can I ask you a follow-up question? Sure. Regarding your, just for kind of our, whoever's listening, who's only ever been in a church that has a building yeah. to attend every Sunday, what is it like for you guys on a typical Sunday yeah. What is it like during the week? Kind of what are the what are the big differences you would experience? So uh, we're very decentralized, and in a sense, that's a blessing. Uh, we never have to explain to our congregation that the church is outside the walls of a particular building. They get that because mm-hmm. so much of what happens in our church happens outside the church walls. Uh, so our you know our small groups, all those things, our, our youth ministry happens in a place in Avon Lake. Uh, our you know. It, it's crazy, and, and when we want to do extra things, it can be a challenge because you got to find a place to do them. But uh, we show up um, eight o'clock on Sunday morning. Um, our worship team starts setting up. Our uh, other ministries set up start eight fifteen, eight thirty. They're coming in. They're getting things set up. We have two buildings on the Lake Ridge campus that we use: the Betcher Center, which is where our um, adult worship is, and then our kids ministry happens um, in the next building to it. Um, you know, we set everything up. When church is done, we tear everything down. Um, and it's it's improved. I mean, <laughs> early on, um, we packed everything in my house. Every room in my house had something for the church in it. <laughs> we had a U-Haul that we'd get. We'd load that thing up. And in my mind, if I saw a U-Haul on Sunday morning, I would think, oh, look, they're starting a church. That was just the natural thing that would go through my mind. Then we advanced from that to a 1974 retrofitted Stroman bread truck. Um, it was this massive door that opened on the back of it, like the Ark. It was hugely heavy. Everybody lost blood in this truck, and uh, that was crazy. And then we went to another truck that somebody donated, and then finally we had on-site storage, which was actually a huge blessing. We don't have to do that anymore. So, um, so yeah. Cool. Um, so you as a church, how old are you then? We're about 21. 21 years old. Yeah. Some of the your highs then? Oh, our highs are definitely those times when we've seen people come to Christ. And those have happened in waves in our church. So um, typically where, you know, we've seen 
sometimes it's four or five, sometimes it's been or 12. I mean, you know, you just see these waves of people that have come to faith and then you've got all these baby Christians walking around and that can be a little crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like walking by your nursery on a Sunday morning, hearing a lot of screaming little babies in there. <laughs> and sometimes new believers aren't much different. Yeah. But, um, and they take a lot of time and energy just like little babies do. But then as you watch them start to grow and watch them start to develop and you see them light up when they get into the Word of God, you know, one of the things that energizes me as a pastor, and I'm sure it's true for you guys, is when the light bulb goes on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a believer who's catching something for the first time or an unbeliever who's coming to faith, um, I mean, those are so exciting. And just one real quick story. Years ago, we had a guy that um, he was coming into town visiting his fiance at the time. And every time he'd come in to visit, she'd bring him to church. And this went on for months and months and months. And he was hearing God's word. He was hearing the gospel. I could just sense God's moving in this guy. So I invited him out to breakfast one Saturday morning. I said, hey, let's go to breakfast. Um, We sat down. And I said, Charlie, you've been coming. You've been hearing the gospel. Are, Are you wanting to make a decision for Christ? And before our order was taken... He's, he's like, oh, yes. And before our order was even taken, he had accepted Christ that morning. Oh, great. And uh, it's those kinds of stories, yeah. you know, the, the woman that at the time, they didn't end up getting married, but uh, they were seeing each other. And um, my wife was discipling her. And one, Sunday, or one day she came to her discipleship opportunity. And um, her, her, the book of Ephesians was missing from her Bible. And maybe it was Philippians. I can't remember which now, but... Um, Anyway, the, the book was missing. I think it was Ephesians. And, um, and my wife said, hey, let's go to this verse in Ephesians. And she's like, um, I don't have it anymore. And she's like, well, why not? She says, well, this was such a great book. I, I cut it out and I gave it to my friend. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And, and to me, that's just the kind of stuff that that's just cool. energizes you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got tons of questions running through my mind, maybe things that we could talk about just in terms of, you know, I think for us as a church at Grace, we're coming up on maybe 75 years here pretty soon. Um, And there's different dynamics with an established history to starting from new. And um, I don't know, maybe we can, I'm going to keep myself from maybe running in that direction. But but there are, there's differences of dynamics. There's pros and cons to that. Uh, Maybe we can discuss that another time. But I think it's also interesting that, you know, your path to the podcast this morning in your ministry you have two individuals who just stop to care and to ask them provocative, sometimes tough questions, whether that's the guy at school that God used to just kind of turn a direction around. And then it's Dan Simmons. Yeah. Have you thought of, have you done this? I think um, what a neat testament, testimony to the body of Christ and coming alongside each other and a willingness just to, hey, can I ask you some questions just about your walk with the Lord? And have you ever thought about this? You know, I think it's a really cool... Let me mention to you real quick the first one. My eighth grade Sunday school teacher was teaching three or four boys. He was a geologist. He was boring as could be. I mean, he's a geologist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but he showed an interest in us. Yeah. And he would take us hiking in the mountains, and he would just talk about Jesus. And so I got from that a love for hiking, love for the mountains, but I also caught from him an interest in God's Word. Yeah. And I just wanted to say that because it doesn't matter. It does, it's not a personality type. Mm-hmm. It's, it is a, just an intentional choice to invest in somebody else's yeah. life. Yep. And who knows how God's going to use that? 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Um, want to get to the our topic at hand, um, and thought it's just fitting as we talk about kind of close. You know, here's Ohio kind of closing out a lot of their health orders and people getting back to normal, which is a good thing, a negative thing, perhaps even. Um, and we talked about, all right, let's not waste COVID. God's not going to waste the coronavirus. Let's not waste it as a church, as individuals. And um, so here we are on the other side of it, a year and too many months uh, along after the beginning. Um, what are some lessons that we've learned? And we also want our people just to be perhaps um, reflecting on. And so we've each come up with at least three. And uh, we'll just kind of work our way around talking about them. Brian, you're our guest, man. We'll hmm. let you start with number one for you. What's uh, a lesson? So for me, an element of this is really personal. And I thought I'd share this one first. Um, as you know, my dad passed away from COVID. And so I passed away in December. Um, my dad was just shy of 82, but very healthy. Uh, no major health complications or anything like that. And um, got sick a few days after Thanksgiving. Uh, about a week later, he was on a ventilator, and about a week later, he was with Jesus. And so for me, the personal lesson that I walked away with um, is that life is short and unpredictable. Uh, in my dad's case, he was 82. It wasn't His life was so short. But, but it, there's an unpredictability to life. We didn't know that was coming. And so you want to be thinking about how you're living your life. You want to be thinking about the legacy you're leaving with your life. And, and I think that as we went through COVID, we saw people actually thinking about that, that, an element of that unpredictability. They were afraid, that, you know, do I, do I go to this environment? Do I, do, I, you know, do I interact with people? Do I hibernate in my house? Do I lock myself down? What do I do? And, and ultimately, we end up putting ourselves in God's hand because he's sovereign. I'm just about to launch into... Um, the last half of Daniel with our church, and we're talking about that element of God's sovereignty, and he's in control, and that's a great thing to know and rest in. So from his perspective, yeah, everything's under control. He knows what he's doing. From my perspective, I live in utter chaos. I don't know what's going on in my world, right? And so life is unpredictable, and it is short. And as a reminder that, obviously, if you don't know Christ, life's short. You need to think about that. If you do know Christ, you only have so much time to make impact. So what are you going to do with it? And I hope that we talked about this early on. You know, are you going to waste this opportunity? Are you going to internalize it? Are you going to choose to live in fellowship with Christ, in joy with Christ, you know, in journey with Christ? Or are you going to live in selfish isolation? And so, um, so I guess that's my first lesson. Life is short. It's unpredictable. What are you, what are you going to do with it? How are you going to live? It was interesting to watch how it certainly began as something, you know, COVID was something that was elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but it slowly began to impact people directly. It just mm -hmm. took a little time. Here's the crazy was, thing. So <laughs> of those four families that started New Community, uh, three of us lost dads during COVID. Two, two of them from COVID, one wasn't. And another got very ill. 
we were all there in the same place yeah. within within wow. two months of each other. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? But again, it's just that reminder that. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> so my first lesson that came to mind was that technology is great, uh, but it cannot replace human interaction, whether it was like for us as a family, seeing our kids completing their schooling virtually and just the lack uh, that was there. Um, and the limitations, I should say, not the lack. That was the limitations of technology there. And then the same thing as, uh, you know, we are meeting virtually and then coming back to in-person gatherings and seeing everyone on a Sunday morning. Um, you know, there's just, there's no comparison. Like, so technology is great, but it can't, it can't fulfill all of our needs. It, it was one of those, like, good but bad things mm-hmm. it's almost yeah. like coronavirus covid just kind of put on the stage for everybody to see the the benefit of all the what technology can bring but at the same time it highlighted the the how it falls short mm-hmm. in human interaction it's like mm-hmm. you know okay well a zoom meeting is great you know i remember the, was it the Good Friday service that we did? Uh, I mean, that, that was later. like that was emotional. Yeah, mm-hmm. Finally, that was the you know, first time we saw everyone's faces on the same right. screen. And, and it was—I remember you talking about that. Yeah, it was how that crazy. was an emotional experience. But it, it just—but it, it still fell short. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I, I think that's a—you're going to say something. Like well, I was just going to say um, the body matters to the head. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, as, as Christ sees his body, he cares about his body and that, how that body interacts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and you're absolutely right, Ryan. You, you can't substitute the, the human interaction. Um, as great as technology is, you just can't substitute that. And there's something that happens when the body's together. There's something. How many times does somebody leave your service and it isn't something that you preached that changed their heart or changed their life. It's something that somebody said to them in the hallway. Right. It's a hug they got when they dropped off their kid in the nursery and they just had a rough week. You know, mm-hmm. we know that. And and so it's tragic to me when elements of the body say, because you t- talked about the catch-22 of this, that, you know what, being home in my pajamas is okay. I can watch this from my sofa mm-hmm. and get... No, you don't. You miss out on so much yep. that the body's all about. And it, it isn't a substitute. Yep. And it's intangible sometimes. Yes. Just like you can't put your finger on it. You know, that in-person dynamic. Sometimes that dynamic can be negative. Sure. But there's a, when there's health there and there's a togetherness, like like you can't put your finger on it, you can't describe it, but there's an energy, yes. I think, mm-hmm. um, that is rejuvenating sometimes. Yeah, but for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, for myself, the first lesson that I learned, or, or I guess relearned, or was reminded, is that God is always faithful. Um, God is always faithful. Why, why do I say that? Because this past year for myself has been absolutely insane. Uh, I, I anticipated graduating from college uh, last spring, uh, but I ended up graduating, graduating a semester early, started working, um, I deliver groceries, 
uh, called a thing called Shipped. Uh, highly recommend it if you're looking for something to do like part time. It works out pretty good. Um, but I uh, ended up doing that and uh, was already engaged to Kara. Uh, had several um, different churches and organizations um, pursuing me for full-time positions of some aspect and I don't know COVID hit and it was just utter chaos a lot of decisions to make at 23 uh, but the Lord was faithful through and through and uh, um, ended up here at Grace um, even though the voting took a long time yeah. and that was that was uh, a whole headache and uh, you know discouragement but the Lord had his way um, when Kara when I got here last June uh we had to find an apartment in less than like a week. <laughs> that was crazy. Uh, we ended up finding one. The Lord provided in that in that manner. Uh, our wedding venue, for example, was changed uh, because our original wedding venue was owned by the local government and they had shut it down. So our new wedding venue was actually significantly better. <laughs> like tent, it was like a mansion. It was sick. Yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely sick. Uh, so the Lord provided in that manner. Um, the opportunity to even coach baseball here in Westlake during the pandemic was a blessing too. But so just so many things, I was just reminded of God's faithfulness. A lot of people have asked me, how does it feel to start a job during COVID-19 or how does it feel to start ministry in COVID-19? I don't know. Cause I don't know how it is without COVID-19. Yeah. So outside of COVID-19. <laughs> so, uh, so we'll see, but I'm excited for um, the, I feel like we've, I feel like the year I've been here, so much has already been accomplished. So I'm excited for COVID-19 to be like pulled back. And so for more things to be accomplished, but, um, yeah, God is always faithful. That was the lesson that I learned or relearned. Yeah. You think about everything that was forced to change in Mm -hmm. your life, everybody's lives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the aspect of the unknown, what's going to happen. You're kind of forced to fall back on, Okay, God, you you mm-hmm. you've got to you've got to keep caring and providing for these things. So, I think the first lesson for me is, as I was reflecting on this, just the importance of rest. Um, the one of the dynamics, and I, I know everybody's experience with it was different. Um, you know, for some people, you know, last March, April, May, June were just completely hectic with. You know, especially if you have young kids, two working parents, working from home, and now you got to help your kids teaching. Um, but there was also quite a bit that just quit happening, um, whether that was all the different extra activities that you were doing, whether it be, you know, sports or vacations even or other things. You know, everything that would take up a lot of time, your, your lives were just really kind of narrowed in on the most important streamlined mm-hmm. yeah, those important things you had your job in the kids school but you didn't have you know in a, uh, all the extra stuff and it really started hitting me yesterday um at a at a busy day took colin down for his orientation for college got back real quick katie had um kind of a summer league basketball for the high school um and then at that one of the parents, some of the girls left midway through their games to go to softball that they had. And then there was open gym volleyball in the evening for the school. And I was just, you know, we're so happy for the 
we're getting back to normal, but what we're getting back to is just that crazy busyness again. And one of the lessons I think was important is just the importance of being able to stop doing all of that. Hmm. And I think the importance of saying no and having those moments of rest, you know, here's Jesus getting away from everything just to have his time with the Lord, his father, and our lives are so busy that we end up sacrificing on that or minimizing that, um, stealing that kind of time. And that's super important time that I think we need to to rejuvenate, to kind of refresh our own hearts and souls. But also I think it's important time for just evaluating. You know, I think as a church, we were able to take the time and just evaluate in our children's ministry in particular and how that's going to be different come fall. Um, but if, if we're just driven and driven and driven and have no kind of uh, boundary in our times or no margin in our lives that we take, then we end up not evaluating. Mm-hmm. And then we just keep doing the same thing and we get in those ruts. Um, so I think that importance of rest. And I think... Um, you know, I encourage all of our families out there to be willing to say no, protect those margins, protect those boundaries. So one of the things, Steve, that we challenged, I think it might have been week one, mm-hmm. when we talked about this idea of our lives being streamlined, yeah. is what are you, what are you going to f- fill that space with? Mm-hmm. You know, is it just going to be Netflix? Um, you know, what are you going to do with it? And I think just an observation, I saw both positives and negatives. Um, I saw that in my own life too, mm-hmm. where, you know, it was like, okay, I have this space. I didn't have it before. What am I going to do with it? Yeah. You know, am I going to, am I going to rest? Am I going to, st- to, to stop and listen to God's voice or am I just going to fill it with something else? And we are so driven by that as a culture to just replace, drop yeah. something new in there. And, um, and I hope, I hope this for um, both of our churches, that we don't just go back to the grind of activity, but that we really do walk away from COVID with an understanding that sometimes more is less. Amen. What's your second one? Um, you know, this is, this is just a little one, but one of the things that I think um, I learned is that the church is more adaptable than you think, <laughs> right? And that's a church that's had to adapt. Yeah, isn't that weird? DNA. Yeah, it's built into us. I've always it's said... the A in your DNA is adapt, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I've always said that, you know, we're flexible and it's a strength. And okay, I think it still is, but... Um, it was harder to adapt than we expected. Mm-hmm. And there were things that we didn't want to adapt to. And so I was thinking about, okay, what are the things that we had to adapt? Well, obviously there's a whole live streaming. Uh, we did that with you guys for a while. And then the month of uh, May after our final service together, we were, we were doing, we were using an iPhone. That was mm-hmm. our, mm-hmm. that was our camera and audio. And it was like as close to me as that camera is right there. And it was kind of crazy, you know, and then we branched out, went to a, a a camcorder and then we branched out from that we actually went to a decent camera and our sound and tech guys were trying to figure all this out and we had some good things and we had some crazy things and 
So there was that. And then there's the adaptation of, okay, how are you going to do ministry? Like, yeah. what does social distance ministry look like? And we're in a situation where our environment, a lot of it was controlled by the school we were in. And the, it's a private school, but they have their own sort of rules and regulations. So we had to, we had to uh, adapt to their expectations. So, you know, what's kids' ministry look like once we got that back online? How do you do communion in COVID? You know, what does that look like? Yeah, I think um, we're all happy to get rid of those... Oh, oh, those were the worst. Pre-packaged, those were the worst. Styrofoam tasting wafers. Yeah, Um, you know, but there's so much that we had to to figure out and adapt, and some of it I think we did pretty well, and other things I think, well, okay, if I could do it over again, I'd probably do it differently. (laughs) Could have gone better. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But, but you figure it out, Mm -hmm. and you realize that um, just because you have COVID doesn't mean God isn't still working in lives. Mm-hmm. Right. And both of our churches saw people that came to faith during COVID. How awesome is that? Yeah. Amen. That's praise. That's good. So my second, um, I think it'll probably overlap with some of yours, but it was just the whole pandemic, everything just reemphasized the need for grace amongst one another mm. and to people we don't know. You mm. know, I think a lot of, I mean, even like at the, now as we're recording this, we're seeing issues with people in restaurants where they're getting frustrated because things are taking longer than they used to. And, well, just that need for continual grace for those around us because they're mm-hmm. working short staff, they're working long hours, they're all these different scenarios. We never know the full story of what's going on in someone else's life. And just having that love and that grace for them, um, you know, I just think has been kind of brought back to the surface for me. Yeah, I, I am super proud of our people here at Grace. Um, just in their adaptability, and I think in the changes, you know, uh, to being online, to, to doing the Zoom, even though I don't know that anybody enjoys doing that, to, um, all right, we're going to do two services, we're going to have these protocols, to uh, we're going to start our services at 9 and what did we, What was it? It was 9 and, nine and 11. When 9 and first 11. Started, and we sat around for 45 minutes. Yeah, and they're going to change it to 9 and nine to 1030. So it was just change after change after change. It was adjusting. and I didn't hear much grumbling. No. Everyone seemed to roll with it pretty well. Yep. So we appreciated yes. that. And I think there's grace, too, with, I mean, there are a lot of strong opinions related Oh, absolutely. Two issues with COVID, right? The whole spectrum. Yep. And they exist in the church and they exist outside Mm -hmm. the church. But um, one of the things I prayed throughout the entire time was that God would protect the unity of his church. And and I I echo what you said, Steve. I I saw a lot of that grace um, and love shared in the body and patience. And, uh, and I think that that's just something that we have to exercise. And what a good reminder it is. That isn't, if it's not COVID, it's something else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and God calls us to something higher than we often will settle for. Yeah. Yep. Good. Yeah, so the second lesson I had was, it kind of goes off of God is always faithful, but I, I am not in control, or we are not in control. I think it was just a great reminder to us, even while COVID was happening, even after the fact that we're not in control. Uh, I remember I, I got COVID in December. Remember mm-hmm. that? 
and I, I was uh, messaging Pastor Steve, and I was going to come that Sunday, and he's like, no, nah, you probably shouldn't, and I was like, yeah, you're probably right, <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I was out for two weeks, yeah. just, I felt horrible, man, I had a fever for 10 days, um, and I was like, I was like, I'm 23 at the time, and I was like, this should not be happening, you know? And so it was just a, a great reminder the Lord used just to be like, you're not in control. Yep. Uh, I'm the one who's who's in control. And and uh, so that, that was the second lesson I learned was we're not in control. I feel like a lot of people learned that uh, in the course of this last year is that mm-hmm. they're not in control. Yeah, we tend to feel safe when we're in control. Yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. comfortable. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that was two whole weeks of ministry that yeah. you weren't able to kind of step into yeah and, yeah and i almost missed my best friend's wedding yeah but thankfully i made it down to florida for that yeah. so mm-hmm. i think the second lesson for me was um just becoming all things for all people i like how paul their second corinthians is just talking about you know for the sake of the gospel mm-hmm. i'll become all things to all people that i can just win some mm-hmm. and uh Thinking about the mask issue, uh, you know, that spectrum mm. of positions and that that mindset of, all right, for as a church, but I think also as individuals, what what what's expendable or in terms of what do we need to have in an open hand and what do we need to have in a closed hand? What's expendable, what isn't expendable, both individually corporately as a church and especially you know in, in walking through this mask issue I think really kind of brought that type of thinking to the table that I got to think about um, you know it, here's an expectation put on me in order to to serve other people am I am I willing to <laughs> set aside in order to serve what it, not necessarily do I agree with it, or even do I think it's effective? Right. But for the sake of unity, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of ministry, what am I willing to to let go of in order to see this move forward? Because I think you know, in the near future, we're going to have more and more of that. But in issues that are not open-handed, but are issues that are in closed hands. Right. And are we we ready to think through these things? Um, uh, it really, that whole issue really just derives us to how much of this is a self-orientedness, a self-centeredness, a, um, and I know it can't, it's not just boiled down, simplified to that, because it's a very complex issue, I get it, and there's so many... But nonetheless, I think a lot of it comes down to what am I willing to give up in order to serve you and to serve the body of Christ and, and for the gospel's sake? Um, because, you know, we had people coming into our services on both ends of the spectrum as guests. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one lady is, why aren't these people wearing guests? Other are wearing masks. Um, and others, real hesitant, but they're here wearing a mask and it was really important and both of those are opportunities to to have the heart and the mind of Christ um, you know some of those things that are 
closed-handed, obviously, is the gospel, the body life, that dynamic and the importance and centrality of it, the Great Commission. You know, all of these things were really forced as individuals but as churches to what is most important and what is fringe important. And uh, those things that are on the fringe and on the outside, on the edge, am I willing to become all things for all people through that? Hmm. I think that was a, oh, a good thing and a healthy thing. And it's something we're going to have to remember, I think, moving into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for sure. So, What's your third one, Brian? My, my third one is um, God doesn't stop with COVID. Why should we? Um, and, you know, you hear Grace talk about being 24-7 worshipers. That we're worshipers, we're the church, whether we are in the building or we're home, wherever we are, we're the church. We function as the church. We function as followers of Jesus. And so um, whether something happens and what we think church should look like doesn't look like church doesn't mean we stop being and functioning as the church. Because Mm -hmm. frankly, if we're honest about it, very little that we do on Sunday looks like acts, right? Uh, Time, culture, all those things interact with that. And so, um, you know, it's my job as a follower of Jesus in whatever situation I'm in to continue to be an active follower of Jesus. And one of the things that I am concerned about, because we know there is a statistical segment of the church at large, they're saying as much as 20%, that won't, that won't return. What does that say, right? That there's an element of the larger body of Christ that won't come back, that they're content to, and I'm not saying, here's the scary thing. It's not that they're watching from home. They're completely disconnected. Right. And so, um, you know, what does that say about North American Christianity? And I think that should, that should be a concern for us coming out of COVID, right? And so we have this responsibility, I think, as leaders, as pastors, to to lead our church in such a way that um, that people see that we are twenty four seven. We're engaged for the cause of Christ, and come what may, we're still the church. We don't stop. Mm-hmm. God didn't stop. He doesn't stop. He's still sovereign. He's in control, just as Dre was talking about. Mm-hmm. And we can rest in that. Now let's march forward and do what he has for us yeah, to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's a joy to have our services again. <laughs> this um, past Sunday was our second time all in, everybody one service. But I think there's also that going back to, all right, being a Christian means I go to church on Sunday. Yep. And I've gone, and the rest of the week there's a disconnect. And it's, if I'm hearing you right, I think it's, it goes beyond that. Yeah. Oh, and absolutely. Just because churches open back up, and you can go to church on Sundays, doesn't mean it ends that, that responsibility. Right. Yeah. Calling ends. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm at this 24 7. That's right. And, um, and so hopefully the decentralization of the church continues. In that sense, continues. Yes. And then the centralization of the church coming together on Sunday to be fueled and sent out again yep. continues. We need yep. both, yes. right? Right. We need both. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's so important. So the next one I had, um, 
was that we shouldn't take the common for granted. Um, just thinking how, um, like we mentioned earlier, when we did that Good Friday service on Zoom and how you and I, Pastor Steve and I had talked and how it was, it was emotional to see all these faces. And, you know, the, the other thought I had was how, you know, how many people said, you know, see you next week on March 5th last year. And that really became see you in two, three, four months, a year yeah. plus, or some, for some people never again. Um, and just how easy it is to take what we do regularly for granted and just to um, kind of see past that and, and get back into the, you know, seeing everything in thanks mm -hmm. uh, and that, you know, we have time together on a Sunday, we have time together through the week, uh, we can do this, what we're doing right now, again, you know, all, all of this, you know, just less for granted and more with thanks. Yeah. Yeah, there's, that'd be, that could be a whole nother discussion of what are the things that COVID has shown us that we take mm -hmm. for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Health, people, parents. Yeah. Mm. yeah. What's your third one, buddy? Uh, my third one, I feel like we've kind of uh, talked about it a little bit, but I said relationships matter. Uh, relationships matter. Just, uh, I mean, even uh, Brian with you, you know, you talking about your father mm. and um, I know that we had, we knew of families that had lost loved ones. Um, so just the fact that we need to continue to remind ourselves that relationships matter and that really life is relationships. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that COVID has taught us that we can't take relationships for granted. So. I think even just relationships in our own families, families, yeah. just like mm -hmm. whether it's parents with children, children with parents. I mean, mm -hmm. um, you know, all of these parents then, having to step in and help their kids with their education, mm -hmm. you know, maybe a sense of, wow, I, I am responsible for their education. Mm. I don't know. Maybe that's mm -hmm. a touchy thing, but yeah. I think yeah. I, you know, take for granted that responsibility or, but parents with their kids is, you know, how many, how many parents have spent more time with their kids over the last year than prior? How many more meals? have been had as a family in the last <clears throat> year than the years before. Yep. That was a big difference for us was just the number of meals where you're sitting at the table together. Yep. And I think even families that are <clears throat> distanced who now are using things like FaceTime that they maybe weren't using before sure. or yeah. Zoom and they are interacting more with extended family mm -hmm. that they had before. So that's yeah. a benefit. Yeah. I know we were able to engage more with our, our street. You know, there was kind of born out of COVID, uh, a or a just our specific streets Facebook page where it became a, hey, if you need anything, let us know. We're shopping on these days. So if you need anything from the grocery store, you need anything from here. Like if you're, you know, at risk, let us know. We'll get it for you. We'll drop it off on your porch. Yeah. And just those kind of, those relationships that. New, new ways to serve. Absolutely. And it was just relationships that really didn't exist you said hi to the person on the way by because they were sitting in their front, you know, on the front porch as you walked the dog. But that was it. And so now we know their names. We know kind of some of their story. Just getting to know neighbors because yeah. they became more of a, you know, uh, a bigger chunk of your world, if you will. And it's now it's a challenge then to maintain it. To maintain that. And because the reason for it's gone. Right. COVID. Everybody can go to the store. Everybody can do what they want. But then all of those connections. I well, think that's a, that's a... And all the business. Yes. Yes, that, and that's that bad. That shut it down. Crowd that out. That's right. Right. 
So, uh, third one for me is just how ugly complaining is, and how refreshing grace and patience are yeah. or is. Um, you know, not sure where I think it was a podcast I was listening to that just talked that was addressing they're walking through Exodus and the complaining that the Israelites were the doing, grumbling, grumbling and <laughs> complaining and. And at the heart of the grumbling and complaining for them is that they were testing God, that they, at the heart of it, you know, it wasn't just asking God a question or wondering. I mean, it was uh, questioning his intentions, his ability, his purposes, and his reasons. And uh, there, so much complaining was just going on. You see a lot of it in social media, and mm-hmm. it, it's just... Nobody looks good when they're complaining. And it's just there's just an ugliness to it. And but there's an opposite beauty to the grace and the patience and whether it was out of just our trust in a faithful God and a sovereign God um or it was just simply listen I understand the difficulty there's a there's stories behind other people and what's going on um, you know, we distrust our governing leaders, we, whatever it is, but just then the choice to say, I'm going to be patient with these people. I'm going to be gracious. Um, that if, if that's something we can kind of maintain mm-hmm. and especially maybe make that choice of, I'm not going to use social media to complain. Hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to have that kind of presence. This is what I, I'm not going to be known for this. I'm going to be known as a person who's going to show grace and understanding and patience with other people. And I think I think all of us can look at times in our lives, it's when people are gracious and patient that f- it fuels people. Complaining just, like, sucks the life out of people and out of a room. And uh, it just how ugly complaining is and how refreshing fueling grace and and patience are so it's like the impact that you can have when you finally get to the front of the bmv line (laughs) (laughs) and you get the you know person that's been dealing with cranky people all day long at the end of the day and you're actually kind to them yeah Yeah. you'll watch the change oh yeah yeah absolutely yep so all right i think there's a lot here to think about we could probably keep going on and on um Brian, it's just been a joy, obviously, in our partnership, working with you guys, ministering with you guys, and um, it's not going to end. We just did top golf with each other. We did. We'll keep it was doing fun. it. It was a lot of fun. And um, but we want to finish with you as a guest, like we do with all of our guests, with the shotgun questions. Okay. We didn't give those beforehand, so it's off the top of your head. All right. Um, what's your favorite ice cream at Mitchell's? Oh. Um Double chocolate chunk. All right. Favorite menu item at Chipotle? Uh, burrito carnitas. Ah, excellent All right. choice. The carnitas. Excellent choice. What's your favorite book outside of the Bible? Or perhaps it's just what book are you reading right now? Uh, well, just fun reading. I, I read uh, David Baldocki. Mm-hmm. Uh, suspense, kind of thriller kind of stuff. Um, and... Oh, gee, I've got like five or six different stuff going, just kind of ministry stuff. I'm reading a lot of stuff on discipleship right now. Good. What's your favorite book of the Bible? 
Oh, that's rough. Um, right up there is First Peter. Uh, what's your favorite movie? What's the movie that you can watch over and over and over? If it comes on TV, you stop and watch it. Hmm. Well, I grew up in the Star Wars generation, so Star Wars movies are usually pretty, pretty high on the list for me. But um, I'd have to think about that. I don't know. I don't know. It would be my favorite all-time movie. I don't know. All right. Hmm. We'll let him off the hook. Yeah. Favorite person in the Bible, other than Jesus? <laughs> uh, favorite person in the Bible, one of them's Daniel. Yeah, because you're studying right now. Yeah, but he just is amazing to me. Yep. Favorite restaurant to eat in in Cleveland? Favorite restaurant? Um, Sharon and I are kind of suckers for Wink and Lizard. Ah, interesting. Favorite, what would be your dream car? Ooh, dream car. Uh, not a car. Um, it would be a 24-foot uh, four-wheel drive motorhome, get off road, where I can be out for about five days off the grid. Very good. Nice. We should say dream vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be one of those. I suppose. <laughs> uh, your favorite, your vacation spot. One of them. It's going to be Hawaii, though, I imagine. Right? No. Uh, well, so far, one of our favorite, honestly, is Yosemite National Park. Yeah. Favorite cartoon growing up? Oh, favorite cartoon. Um, probably Looney Tunes. Yep. It's the second one we've gotten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You a Starbucks guy or Dunkin' guy? Not a fan of coffee, so I'm Dunkin' because I can get donuts. There you go. <laughs> Michigan or Ohio State? Ohio State. Just stop there. Oh, yeah. Spring or fall? Late spring. Yep, late spring. <laughs> and I know how you're answering this one, cats or dogs? Dogs. Yep. So. And Red Sox. Dogs and Red Sox. <laughs> you didn't throw that on there, but I want to be no, sure. You had to put it in there? Good. Yes. All right. Brian, again, thank you for joining us. And um, we'll keep the conversation going. We'll have you on again. It's been a pleasure. All right. Let's call it a wrap. All right. God bless. See you next episode.